On this episode of This Week in Linux, we've got a new release from Wine Project. Elementary OS 7 is out. We'll get some previews for the next releases of GNOME and KDE Plasma. Plus, we've got some news from OpenSUSE team and the Ubuntu team, and so much more coming up on this episode. If you're new to Twill, Twill is a show by the Tux Digital Network that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world. And I'll give you my take as a 20 year plus Linux user. So be sure to like and subscribe and all of that. But right now, let's get right into your weekly source for Linux. Good news. This episode of Twill is sponsored by Linode and by Bitwarden. The Wine team has announced the availability of the latest annual major release of Wine with the Wine 8.x series. This release includes all of the work that has been made over the past year to improve the support for Windows applications running on a Linux machine. In fact, one of the biggest things that was being worked on for Wine 8.x is the converting of all Wine modules into PE format, which is important for working on copy protection, 32-bit application support on 64-bit hosts, Windows debuggers, x86 apps on ARM, and so much more. And with the release of 8.0, this conversion to PE is now complete. Wine 8.x also sees continued work on WoW 64, which is intended to allow 32-bit Windows applications to work without a 32-bit Unix library. But this work is still underway, and the Windows-like WoW 64 mode is still in an experimental phase. Now, this latest release also adds a new light graphics theme to the default configuration, implements a new print processor architecture, continues improvements around Direct2D and Direct3D functionality, uh, better support for driving wheel device detection, uh, forced feedback and other input features, as well as much more, including improvements for high DPI rendering. And if you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Wine with the Wine 8.x series, you will find links in the show notes. For those looking for a distribution of Linux that exudes style and polish, then the next distro will be something you might want to check out. And that is Elementary OS 7 has been released, and with it a ton of new features and performance improvements. Elementary OS 7, codenamed Horus, is based on the latest Ubuntu LTS with Ubuntu 22.04 LTS. Now, typically, I would go into a lot of detail for a release like this here on Twill. But in this case, I've got something even better for you. The Elementary OS founder and CEO, Danielle Foray, joined us for an interview about Elementary OS 7 on a recent episode of Destination Linux. We go in depth on the latest release and what it's like to be a lead for this kind of project and all sorts of other stuff. We talked about all the cool new features in Elementary OS, like the much improved App Center that makes it even easier to find and install applications. We talked to Danielle about the performance improvements and even the choice to go with flat packs instead of snaps and a whole lot more. We had a ton of fun on the interview and there is a lot of great information in it. So I highly recommend checking that out if you're interested in learning more about Elementary OS. I'll have links in the show notes for the latest release of Elementary OS, as well as a link to the latest episode of Destination Linux, where we interviewed Danielle. We've got some great news from the OpenSUSE team recently. First of all, OpenSUSE announced that the RPM and repository signing keys of OpenSUSE Linux are switching to using the stronger 4096-bit 4, RSA keys to provide users with better security. And it's always great to see news of security improvements in a distro, but it's extra nice when it's backend-related stuff where the user doesn't have to do anything to benefit from it. So good job, OpenSUSE, on that one. 
The new RSA key will be applied to the OpenSUSE Tumbleweed rolling release, of course, but it will also be applied to OpenSUSE Leap, the OpenSUSE Backports repos, and the SLE, or just the SUSE Linux Enterprise repositories. Now, the next thing to talk about with OpenSUSE is they have recently collaborated with Cisco to make it easier to deploy H.264 codec support on OpenSUSE Leap and Tumbleweed. This is great news because OpenSUSE has so much potential to be the go-to distro for many people, but it has historically lacked in a few areas, such as initial setup experience. Previously, it was a bit difficult to get the codecs for some people, but thanks to this collaboration with Cisco, this can be much, much better. This seems very similar to the collaboration between Red Hat slash Fedora and Cisco that was created to help the open open H.264 support inside of that in Fedora and the and the rep family. And one thing to note is that Cisco is footing the bill for this collaboration by paying the licensing fees for Linux systems to enjoy unencumbered support of the H.264 codec. Now, that's the reason I want to bring that up is because that is very awesome of Cisco. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for doing that. And if you'd like to learn to learn more about this latest news with OpenSUSE, that OpenSUSE made a blog post about how the H.264 stuff like that works. So if you want a more detailed explanation there, you can find links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Linode. Visit linode.com slash tux. That's linode.com slash tux and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. Linode provides solutions and services to accelerate innovation. You can build everything yourself or you can use one-click apps from the plethora of options in Linode's app marketplace to deploy everything from Plesk and WordPress to Valheim and Minecraft servers. Linode even has VPN-friendly virtual servers so you can create secure connections over the internet protecting you on public Wi-Fi, keeping your data private, and guarding you from malware and attackers and stuff like that. And if that wasn't enough, every plan comes with Linode's amazing human-powered customer support. That's right, if you need help, someone will pick up the phone, respond to your email, or reply to you on social media 24-7-365. So visit linode.com slash tux to get your free account. Plus, when you use that URL, you're going to let them know that we sent you, which is, of course, good for us. But also, you get a 60-day, $100 free credit to your account by signing up there, which I say is a win-win situation. So again, go get started on Linode's awesome cloud platform by going to linode.com slash tux. For those of you who are interested in running your own self-hosted entertainment experience, then the Cody Entertainment Center might be something for you to check out. And recently, the Cody team has announced the release of Cody 20, codenamed Nexus. Cody 20 has been in development for almost two years, so this release has brought a lot of new features and improvements. First of all, there has been a lot of work done on the AV1 codec support, which is great because AV1, for those who don't know, is an open, royalty-free video codec coding format which means it doesn't suffer from all of the awful patent issues other codecs do. And there's been a lot of work for AV1 support within the input stream code, and this release adds AV1 accelerated hardware decoding via the Video Acceleration API, or VA API, for Linux systems. Also, Cody 20 now includes Steam Deck control support for enhancing the experience for those using Cody 20 on their Steam Decks. 
And speaking of Steam Decks, be sure to check out the next episode of Destination Linux where we do a deep dive review of the Steam Deck and our experiences with it since we've had it for many, many months now. And also another cool feature, going back to Cody, is an, in Cody 20, there's a new multi-instant support for add-ons. For example, TV head end users can now run more than one instance of the add-on to connect to multiple back-end TV head end servers. With individual settings like channel groups and hidden channels maintained per add-on instance. And for those unfamiliar, TV head end is a TV streaming server and recording software for Linux. And now you can have multiple instances running it one time connected to your Kodi, which is just awesome. There's also been a lot of improvements and optimizations for the performance of Kodi in this release, as well as much, much more. And if you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Kodi or try it out for yourself, and you'll find links in the show notes. This week, we've got a few Ubuntu-related topics to talk about. And first up, let's talk about Ubuntu Pro. Canonical has recently announced the general availability of Ubuntu Pro. Ubuntu Pro is a subscription-based service that offers 10 years of extended security updates for packages in the Ubuntu's main repo, uh, plus also extra 23,000 packages available in the universe repo. Ubuntu Pro is available for Ubuntu 14.04 LTS, 16.04 LTS, 18.04 LTS, 20.04 LTS, and 22.04 LTS. Now, I can't imagine why anyone would still be using 14.04, but I guess if you got Ubuntu Pro, you could get updates for one more year or so. But yeah, I mean, it's if you're using 14.04, it's time to move on. <laughs> Even 16.04, it's time to move on. As part of Ubuntu Pro, Canonical managed uh, critical high and selected medium CVEs for thousands of applications and toolchains as well, including Ansible, Docker, Node.js, Python, Rust, and more, all while remaining compliant with things like FedRAMP, HIPAA, PCI, DSS, and others. Ubuntu Pro also includes live patching so systems can get critical and high-severity kernel patches without the need to reboot. And Ubuntu Pro is free for personal use on up to five PCs. I feel like five PCs is a bit low for this kind of thing, but it is good that they're offering some for free regardless. Uh, the premium subscriptions, though, aren't that high either. So you can get for workstations, it's $25 per year. Although for those who are wanting to do it on servers, it's a little bit more as that price is around $500 per year. The other topic I want to talk about with Canonical is that Canonical put on an event somewhat recently called the Ubuntu Summit. This event was a conference to bring people from various projects and, well, various places from all around the world into one place to meet, collaborate, and just geek out on Linux and open source. In fact, I went to the Ubuntu Summit and gave a talk on open source marketing. Link in the show notes. And while I was there, I met many fellow Linux enthusiasts from India, Ghana, Germany, the UK, Czech Republic, and many, many more. It was an amazing opportunity, and I'm very thankful to Canonical for making it possible for me to attend. There were so many great talks at the Ubuntu Summit about, well, a wide variety of topics like Ubuntu desktop, data science, infrastructure, application development, and even a track dedicated to community-related topics, which I think mine was in that track. I don't remember exactly, but I met some people that I never expected to have the opportunity to meet. Like, I've known them for years, but... Never thought I would have that opportunity, such as Martin Wimpress of Ubuntu Mate or Artyom Zorin for uh, Zorin OS, Cassidy James, formerly from Elementary OS, and Ruja Saraswat of Ubuntu Unity. 
and I got to talk with the founder and developer of Ardor, the digital audio workstation app, and I even got to sit down with Mark Shuttleworth of Canonical for a fascinating interview with him about Ubuntu, the conference, and just so much more. I'll be releasing that interview very soon, so be sure to subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out. The Ubuntu Summit was a fantastic experience as well, even though I was jet-lagged the entire time. And I was only able to get about maybe 10 hours of sleep the whole time I was there. It was still awesome, but it, you know, there's, I'm gonna do it a different way next time. And I can't wait for the next Ubuntu Summit because I hope to attend whenever and wherever it might be. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. Bitwarden is an awesome piece of software. It is a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, Bitwarden provides you with tools to store all of your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords, and auto-generate usernames now, and even automatically fill in those passwords on login forms so you don't have to do any of this stuff. Plus, you can have access to your data across many different types of devices. Whether you're using your web browser, a mobile application, desktop application, or even on the command line. Yes, if you want to use it on a terminal, you totally can with Bitwarden. Plus, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. And for a password manager, that's pretty important, right? So go to bitwarden.com tux to get started. Did I mention you can get started for free? Well, you can, but I think you want to check out their premium account because you get a lot of great extra features with that premium account. Plus, you're supporting an awesome company making awesome software. You get one gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, prior priority customer service, and so much more. And you get all of this for less than a dollar per month. That's only $10 per year. That's right. So go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started with your account and get peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. Up next in the show, the Open Source Technology Improvement Fund has announced the completion of a security audit done on the source code of Git. The research found a total of 35 issues, including two critical severity issues and one high severity issue. Additionally, because of this research, a number of potentially catastrophic security bugs were discovered and resolved internally by the Git security team. I'm covering this on the show because open source technology is a fantastic approach to development, and there are tons of benefits to use open source, but just because something is open source doesn't automatically make it secure, so security audits are very important to do, and something like Git is, it is arguably a must-do, in fact. So I wanted to take a moment to appreciate the effort done by the Git development team and the effort by the Open Source Technology Improvement Fund for conducting this audit. The KDE team has released the beta version of their next iteration of the Plasma desktop environment with Plasma 5.27 beta. To be absolutely clear, for those interested in testing this release, feel free to do so. But for those interested in using it as a normal day-to-day, -day, and if you're not comfortable with beta software, it's best to hold off until the stable release is out later this month. The stable release date plan for KDE Plasma 5.27 is intended to be Valentine's Day, February 14th. I can only assume that this was chosen as an expression of love to me, I mean the KDE users, but there's a lot of cool features that are coming in this release and we're gonna talk about them in much more detail 
when the full release comes out on the 14th. But for now, let's take a look at some of the highlights that are coming in KDE Plasma 5.27. First of all, there's a new welcome screen called Plasma Welcome for new users to introduce them to the desktop environment. This is something that I have praised teams on many occasions for doing because having a welcome screen is very important because you can introduce people in a lot easier way and seeing that KDE is adding one directly into the DE, that's fantastic. Uh, Plasma 5.27 is also introducing a new KDE system settings module for handling flat pack permission settings. So users can easily manage permissions of their favorite flat packs without the need of an additional tool. This release includes also a big refactoring of the KDE multi-monitor handlings and also introduces a new tiling system, which looks to have a lot of potential for those interested in a tiling experience. I'm very excited for the new tiling system because the current one is good. It's, it's pretty good, but this, would look, this one looks much, much better and much more flexible as well. I might not be able to wait for this release to actually come out. I might be booting up the beta just to test out the tiling. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Uh, another interesting thing about this latest release is that it's currently planned that Plasma 5.27 will be the last Plasma 5 feature release before the KDE developers switch their focus on working on Plasma 6. And I'm very excited to see what happens during that phase as well because the KDE team spent a lot of time and effort on modularity and compatibility for Plasma. So in theory, the upgrade from Plasma 5 to, flat to 6 will be much easier than previous major upgrades, which didn't go so well a couple of times. So I'm very ha happy to see that there, there's a lot of potential that this one will be just fine. But we won't know until it happens. And if you'd like to learn more about this or test out the beta release yourself, you can find links in the show notes. And also be sure to subscribe to This Week in Linux so you don't miss the episode where we deep dive into KDE Plasma 5.27. From talking about a beta release, let's jump to talking about an alpha release because the GNOME project has announced some details about what is to be expected in the next release of GNOME 44 with the release of GNOME 44 Alpha. As before, I warned that you should not be using anything labeled as a beta release unless you're doing so for testing because it's not fully tested yet and this goes double for an alpha release. Beta means more testing is needed. Alpha means that there has been very little testing being done yet. And you should not only expect issues, but they're almost guaranteed to happen. So with that said, let's talk about GNOME 44 Alpha. By the way, the Alpha, that applies to all thing, all software, not just GNOME, to be clear. We'll talk about GNOME 44 when the final release is fully available. But for now, let's check out some highlights. GNOME 44 is introducing a grid view for the GTK file chooser a Bluetooth submenu in quick settings, a redesigned accessibility panel in the settings app, which is great, and GNOME 44 is expected to have a GTK4 port of the Epiphany web browser. I'm also really excited for the updates of GNOME software because there's a lot of cool stuff in this, like the ability to view only open source apps for those who want to avoid proprietary software. Also, they have the ability to automatically remove unused Flatpak runtimes, as well as much, much more. The automatic removal of runtimes for Flatpaks is gonna be very nice because it'll be a lot easier to clean up and get some storage back thanks to the Flatpaks, and that's really cool. Another thing I'm excited to see is a new app for controlling the Steam Deck or Stream Deck devices. That is a problem that I've had forever and I will probably never get rid of it. Steam Deck versus Stream Deck. 
We're talking about the Stream Deck from Elgato, and this is a product that allows you to have kind of a, a quick access keyboard that is able to change. If you're not familiar with the Stream Deck, I'll have a link in the show notes for more information about that. But this new application is called Boson. Just to be clear for the audio listeners of Twill, it's spelled like Boatswain, but pronounced Boson. Anyway, I recently got a Stream Deck myself, so I'm very much looking forward to playing with this application. And I know it's available right now, but I'm look, I'm glad that it's being added into the GNOME project as a whole. That's very cool. If you'd like to learn more about what is coming with GNOME 44, you will find links in the show notes. This week, I've got some great news for Tux Digital as well to share with you. So, first of all, the Destination Linux crew is going to be at scale, which for those who are not familiar, I am part of the Destination Linux crew. That is another podcast that I'm on. And if you're not listening to it, you should because it's awesome. Anyway, we're going to be at scale this year. So if you're in the Southern California area in March, be sure to join us at scale on March 9th through the 12th. Also, the Linux Out Loud crew is celebrating their one year anniversary very soon. And with that will be a live stream. So you can join Wendy, Matt and Nate as they do a live stream for Linux Out Loud. You'll find links in the show notes for more information about when the anniversary happenings and when the live stream is happening. We've also made some changes to how the patron system works here on Tux Digital. Previously, we've had a different Patreon account for various shows, but now you can become a patron of the Tux Digital network itself and get all of the perks in one place with one membership. So go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute to learn more about how you can become a, a patron of Tux Digital and get all the perks for This Week in Linux, for Destination Linux, Linux Out Loud, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the show and the channel and the network, you can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com contribute. Also, you can support the show by ordering the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt that I'm wearing right now at going to tuxdigital.com store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff we have. We got hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more, tuxdigital.com store. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell with Tux Digital, and I'll see you next week for another episode of your weekly source for Linux good news. Unless it's not weekly, it hasn't been for a little while. But I'm back now, so it's okay. It'll be weekly now. I think this, I think it's worth it. The wait was worth it, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about.